0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, October 9th, 2023. On the show today, news and listener questions. Then in our main segment, Jim tells us about the history of Peter Pan's Flight, an attraction that appears in almost every Disney resort around the world. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says that he'd rather learn that the strange sounds in his house were from ghosts than from appliances he can't afford to fix. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? <laughs> that is a hundred percent, Jim. A hundred percent. No, that's
1: it exactly. <laughs> you know, in, in fact, I have reached the point, particularly with the freezer compartment of our refrigerator, where every time I open it, you know, it it, it the ice age. I have to chop it out, wrestle it back into shape. And yes, I could. Go out in search of a new appliance.
0: But you know what? A nice pick is $3. (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah. And and more to the point, it's just the whole notion of, oh dear Lord, I have to go to places and talk to people and have measurements. And it's just like. just the worst. Yeah. No, that's it. Now I'll chop the ice. You know, rather than have to go to Best Buy and stand there and go, well, do you. Do you want it open to the left? Do you want it open to the right? Do you want yeah. a freezer in the bottom? And it's like, I just don't want to chop ice anymore. Okay. You know? And
0: exactly. Oh, yeah. Did you read the thing in the New York Times last week that said uh, it was basically, it was rules for phone etiquette in the, uh, in the modern times. And basically it was like, if you're going to call someone, you must text them first to tell them that you're going to call them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah i mean how many of us do that pick up the phone yeah. and it's like no I'm not talking to that person today. and
0: and i think i think it's you know it's this thing like it's the text that says either i need to talk to you and it's urgent and this is why i'm calling or mm-hmm. i'm calling but i don't want you to think that anyone is dead well
1: <laughs> no that's it exactly <laughs> we have reached that point with the landline when the fo- yeah. landline rings, it's okay who's stuck by the side of the road or who died
0: yeah, this better be a call for bail money. That's all I'm saying. There we go. All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers Megan Wanzik, Jen Sim, Eric444, and Kevin Tronkowski. And longtime subscribers Matthew Comstock, Kurt Sutton, Lab Manager Bill, and Don't Be Bold. Jim, these are the Disney cast members who recently started a new transportation service called Mission From Mars which helps guests with the return trip back to Earth after experiencing mission space at Epcot. They say they're not sure why this issue took so long to figure out, and that flights are booked on a first-come, first-served basis, so the guests who first rode mission space back in 2005 should be home any day now.
1: True story. So, mission from Mars. What is it's called in- closing the loop, Jim. <laughs> I kind of love it. Wow, that's forward thinking, folks. Forward thinking.
0: All right, and before we do the news, uh, folks, a quick announcement based on feedback from pretty much all of you, or moving the show off of Bandcamp and onto Patreon, visit patreon.com slash Media for more details, including a preview of our new video series with Imagineer Jim Scholl showing how your favorite Disney attractions got built. On to the news. Folks, the Disney Dish News is sponsored by Touring Plans Travel Agency. Touring Plans can help you book your next trip Plus, it comes with a free Touring Plans subscription. Check us out at touringplans.com dish. All right, Jim, Light news week, but let's do a couple of things. One is Disney announced another set of discounts this week, one for Walt Disney World and one for Disneyland. And the one I want to talk about is the one for Walt Disney World. It's uh, kids, tickets, and dining plans are 50% off if you buy a package that includes hotels, tickets, and the dining plan. And I know that deal seems oddly specific, so I don't Mm. think it's going to apply to a lot of people. But I mention it, Jim, because of how long it's running. And that's through June 30th, 2024. (sighs) Wow. Almost a full eight months.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: And this was the thing that I was interested in. Like, how often does Disney announce a discount for the next eight months? And as far as I can tell, it's only happened twice. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In the recent past, like in the past five years. And one of those was during the pandemic in January 2021 when Disney announced two extra days of tickets with a Fortnite package. But you'd have to go back to 2019 to when free dining was announced on January 2nd and running through September 30th. But the interesting thing there is you can only book that offer for six weeks. So it was a limited time. Mm-hmm. This one is you can book pretty much any time for the next eight months.
1: That kid ticket 50% off component. I know the dining plan is something that catches people's attention, but that 50% off for kids tickets, that's interesting.
0: You know, we talked on the show a couple of weeks ago about Mm -hmm. how Disney had announced a set of discounts for 2024 about a month earlier than they normally do. Mm -hmm. And I think think at the time we said that Disney was looking to probe how bad the market's going to be in early 2024. And doing that a month early gives them time to come up with backup plans. Mm-hmm. This, this mm-hmm. might be one of those backup plans.
1: I think you are correct. But at the same time, when you understand that there is a narrative out there right now about how expensive it is to go to. Oh, yeah, know, it's expensive.
0: It? It's complicated. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the notion of, you know, kids tickets 50, 50% off. That's you see Carrot, Len. Going to be interesting to see how people react.
0: The, and that's, that's where I want to go with that. Because if, you know, if they're, if they're doing this thing where we're announcing a, a new discount every couple of weeks Disney mm-hmm. still has plenty of time to come up with even deeper discounts for 2024 and I'm guessing a number of our listeners Jim mm-hmm. are waiting to see what that what that best and final offer is before booking their early 2024 stuff because it was me right this is just me you know, mm-hmm. giving advice I, I don't think this is the end of discounts
1: okay, okay. so we'll see yeah Isn't it traditionally the holiday period, Thanksgiving, Christmas, when families do the, hey, we should go to, you know, next year, we should do something fun? So, Yeah, uh,
0: they typically they they start either in Thanksgiving or Christmas uh, planning their 2024 trips. So I would expect to see if these offers don't work out, you know, something around either the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade promotion or when Disney does its own Christmas Parade promotion, I would expect to see another offer then. But I don't think this is the end of discounts. We'll okay. see. Duly noted. Other uh, news. I ate at the uh, newly opened Shiki Sai Sushi Restaurant in Epcot mm-hmm. this past weekend, which uh, which was really good. Um, I thought it was decent quality sushi, especially mm-hmm. for theme parks. The um, The main sushi we got was this thing called The Bridge. Mm-hmm. It's a dish. It's a large serving of sushi for $100. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds like a lot of money, but it's a lot of sushi. Mm-hmm. The other thing is... is it's not just a sushi place. It mm. has a pretty extensive menu with some dishes you don't normally see mm. in places that are just sushi or just hibachi. So donburi, for example, which is like fish and rice in a stone bowl. Mm-hmm. They had that. Uh, so we tried that. That was spicy tuna. Also, uh, do you know what okonomiyaki is?
1: I want to say a pancake, right? It is.
0: It's a, it's a savory pancake. Uh, typically, mm-hmm. it's considered food that you eat when you're drunk at 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> and wandering the streets. Of to- <laughs> literally every video I've ever seen of how okonomiyaki is made, and, and I went down the rabbit hole on YouTube on this mm-hmm. for a while. You, you end up in whatever the Tokyo equivalent of Waffle House is. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of drunk kids... Watching a chef prepare a konomiyaki in front of them and it's uh, so yeah, it's a pancake. It's either vegetarian or with bacon uh, You should definitely look it up on on YouTube, but it was really good. I, uh, okay. I really enjoyed it. So cool cool, they also have a, a Karaage chicken which is mm-hmm. fried chicken with garlic and ginger served with lemon, which was delightful. Oh, that sounds great okay. Yeah Mm-hmm. Also the, uh, the big draw there, I think too for the restaurant was the view from that second floor mm-hmm. of the Japan Pavilion is amazing. I was there during lunch, mm-hmm. but I can see going back for dinner when uh, you know the new fireworks show debuts. Mm-hmm. Um, you get some really, really good visuals of the uh, fireworks and you can eat and do it in air conditioning while you're doing. Also service is really, really good. so uh, yeah, so I definitely recommend it. Cool, cool. All right, Jim, uh, quick survey from our friend Eric got a disneyland survey with this question we haven't seen before the question is this were there any rides you made a disney genie plus lightning lane reservation time for that you were not able to ride Hmm. and so eric and i went back and forth on this because we we likely already know or disney likely already knows whether you missed a genie plus reservation so i suspect that if you answer yes here there's a set of follow-up questions that ask you to identify why you missed the reservation and the other thing is, is that Eric points out, it also helps Disney determine how much using Genie Plus improves guest satisfaction at a specific attraction.
1: I'm just kind of intrigued, uh, the notion, of what could they do at that point to address the issue? I mean, it's it's well after the fact.
0: Yeah. But if, if they see something like, you know, we couldn't make it because our dining reservation ran too long, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. They They may be able to tie your return time into your dining reservations. Like... If you're thinking ahead, right, Genie Plus shouldn't offer you a return time that falls in the middle of a dining reservation you already have. Oh, absolutely. Like, let's say, yeah, okay. let's say, you are you know, you're a BR guest. You've already got a BR guest reservation from, you know, 1 to 2 p.m. or a 1 p.m., you know, mm-hmm. BR guest reservation. They should not offer you a Genie Plus reservation that starts at the same time because the odds are you're not going to be out with a restaurant, right? Got it. Okay. And my sense is Genie Plus doesn't do that already, but that could be something that they could look at doing. If it became a problem.
1: I would love it if the Disney systems would talk to each other like that. Yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. So, mm-hmm.
0: All right, Jim, on to listener questions. Mm-hmm. You know, for the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the greatest fireworks show Disney yes. World has ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is the show called Rock and Rockets that you mm-hmm. mentioned it. It was part of the American Pyrotechnics Association anniversary celebration back in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. So one listener, David Townsend, says that our show helped him remember seeing the fireworks. And he writes in with this, people often ask me my favorite fireworks show at Disney. And I've always said this one year that a bunch of fireworks geeks had a convention at the Contemporary. I can still remember all the chairs out on the strip of land near the water. The fireworks were incredible. We stayed at the Wilderness Lodge that week, so we got a close-up view on our boat ride. Plus, we watched it from our balcony at Wilderness Lodge. Also, Jim, though, this is the more important thing. Our listeners have found video Of this show on YouTube. And the reason why we haven't found it before. I think. Mm -hmm. Is the videos have a typo in the title. So you have to search. You have to search for Rockin' Rockets. But spelled this way. Mm -hmm. R-O-C-C-N Rockets. (sighs) Uh, Okay. All right. And Jim. The video does not lie. Every second of this fireworks show. Was like the finale of a 4th of July celebration. It is literally Sam the Eagle's glorious 3 hour finale set to explosions
1: if i could add to the the rabbit hole here oh god there's more (laughs) well it it turns out there's merch is there really there are pins and t-shirts that were evidently done for folks who were attending the event and i was kind of just googling and suddenly i'm on ebay and i'm looking at a (laughs) t-shirt and a pin for rock and rocket so if you really want to commemorate the greatest firework show ever done on disney property there's merch folks
0: jim i think we're like 10 minutes from uh, starting a lobbying campaign for the american <laughs> pyrotechnics association to go back
1: to disney world
0: hey guys it's could, time. could you imagine
1: mm. what that would be speaking of which did anybody make it to the thing in phoenix they you know that they, they were supposed to have their convention i want to say uh late last month
0: I'll check out on YouTube. I don't uh, I don't recall seeing anything from it.
1: Okay. Okay. All
0: right. So, it's time to start a letter reading campaign though, Jim. That's where I'm going with then,
1: here. Okay. That, that works for me.
0: All right. Uh, also in uh, questions, Patrick Daly heard our show last week where we talked about attractions that were more well-known than their movies, and he added these. He says, uh, Countdown to Extinction is an interesting one as it had its name changed to Dinosaur in 2000 to cross-market the Disney film that was quickly forgotten about. And that ride is still named at Dinosaur 23 years after the release of the film. Okay, valid. Also, uh, Fantastic Voyage may have been an inspiration for Body Wars, but it's hard to say that Body Wars had a more enduring popularity. All right. And then uh, I love this one. Uh, Patrick says, "Well, not an attraction, I'm going to go for a deep cut. Gurgly's Munchies and Crunchies was a quick service restaurant in the Magic Kingdom that opened in October of 1986 until it became Lumiere's Kitchen in 1993. While it only lasted seven years, those were seven years in which Disney tried to forget the film which inspired the location, 1985's *The Black Cauldron*. I love the idea that the Magic Kingdom had a, a an eatery dedicated to the Black
1: Cauldron. I am literally holding a Wed Mapo Imaginews from April 22nd, 1981. Now mm. that's important because *The Black Cauldron* didn't actually make it out to theaters till the summer of '85. But this is from an Imagineer, you know, a story about an Imagineer workshop that was held on Wednesday, April 8th in the Epcot Center presentation area. And 50 Imagineers were on hand among folk, uh, Marty Scalar, Randy Bright, Rolly Crump, and four proposals were discussed. And, And listen to this, Lynn. The Space Pavilion called the Solar System for Epcot Center. Uh, Mm -hmm. additions to the Disneyland master plan, and and these would have included an Asian heritage village to be built next to Disneyland. But then there was a Black Cauldron attraction. Really? Yeah, and, and what's kind of surreal about this is that, again, the Black Cauldron, the concept is based on the Disney animated feature of the same name currently in production. And what they did is they basically brought in storyboards that had been prepped for the film up until that point. Mm-hmm. And this is something we should consider bringing to the parks. And in today's feature, we're going we're gonna to talk about how once upon a time, Disney would move quickly with an animated film. I mean, for example, The Lion King opened in theaters in mid-June of 1994. And The Legend of the Lion King show... Opened mm-hmm. at the Magic Kingdom two weeks later. So once upon a time, they move fast, you know? Is,
0: is that the rule, though, or the exception? That's the thing. We'll talk more about it, but that's, we'll that's the question I would have. All so, right, fair. Okay. All right, last listener questions from Andy. Mm-hmm. In response to our review of the Destination D23 talk of redoing the dinosaur ride in Animal Kingdom to Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. Andy writes in and says, I had the great fortune to be on a backstage Magic ABD this past summer. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we got to do was go backstage at the Indiana Jones ride. It was mentioned that the Dinosaur Ride and the India Ride have identical tracks with the exception of two loops that are missing from the Dinosaur Ride. So if the ride becomes a clone of the California Ride, they'll have to figure out what to do about the two loops of the ride that have no place in the Dinosaur Ride. Our guide also said that the cost to replace one of those ride vehicles in today's money is like 750000 to $1 million. Mm-hmm. And since there are approximately 30 Jeeps in the attraction, I think that whatever happens to the ride, I'd bet on those Jeeps staying exactly where they are. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I would say that's a pretty safe bet. (laughs) It's
0: a safe bet there, Andy. Yeah, $30 $30 million in savings. That's uh, that's absolutely true. Fair enough. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim gives us the history of Peter Pan's flight. Climb aboard your pirate ship. We'll be right back Talking today about Peter Pan's flight. It's not one of the major attractions in Fantasyland, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it is one of the most beloved because I think most people end up going on this ride when they're in
1: Fantasyland. They do, they do. But it takes effort, Len. A part of today's show, we're going to be talking about. The relatively low capacity of this attraction and and how the few people who could actually get on this this attraction every day sort of impacted future choices at at parks like Hong Kong Disneyland and that sort of thing. But there's a handful of fantasy themed rides that can be found at all of Disney's castle parks around the world. Dumbo the Flying Elephant is one. The other one, Mm -hmm. then, is the Carousel, although it has a a bunch of different names. King Arthur Carousel at uh, Disneyland Park in Anaheim. It's the Prince Charming Regal Carousel at the Magic Kingdom in Orlando, just called the Castle Carousel, Tokyo Disneyland. It's La Cat Carousel du Lancelot at Disneyland Paris. Finally, Cinderella Carousel, Hong Kong Disneyland, and then it's actually outside of Fantasyland in the formal gardens in front of the castle but at Shanghai Disneyland, but there's known as the Fantasia Carousel. Now, Peter Pan Flight is almost a member of this very exclusive club. There are versions of this fly-through attraction found in five of the company's castle parks. And Hong Kong Disneyland, opened in uh, 2005, opted out of giving its guests the opportunity to fly off the Neverland. Now, when the project was first announced in November of 99, the Fantasyland section of Hong Kong Disneyland was supposed to have a Peter Pan flight. In fact, <laughs> right, it was yeah, yeah, because this, it was in the it was in the opening material, right? It was. In it the, was. The, it was. You know, in fact, this is how it read back in November of '99. Fantasyland is the magical home of Disney animated characters and stories. Here, mm-hmm. guests can fly to Neverland with Peter Pan, take a spin in the teacup, play in the undersea world with the Little Mermaid, and even climb aboard colorful decorated horses on an old-fashioned and carousel so once again we're back to the carousel why did peter pan flight get cut from the fantasy portion of hong kong disneyland likewise why did the castle park wind up with a little mermaid area attraction uh when it opened in, in september 2005 and i'm going with money it, the, well <laughs> uh, capacity is, is oh Look, Peter Pan has a history of operational issues. And and again, Mm -hmm. first and foremost, very low capacity. In fact, we've talked often on the show about Ted Linhart and his wonderful Disney Docs page. And over there, Ted has a pile of documentation from April of 81. This was the stuff that was put together just ahead of the new Fantasyland project at Disneyland. Oh, right, yeah. In this documentation... Ted totally pops the hood on Peter Pan at Disneyland. Now, mind you, the document starts by saying Peter Pan has a theoretical hourly capacity of 900 guests. It, and you hear that snort oh. from Lynn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. There's a reason, all right, which we're going to get to. God
0: it. willing. Yeah. <laughs> there all
1: we right. go. Okay, so here's the, the equation, folks. Now, mind you, that's if 12 flying pirate ships... Are on this attraction's four hundred eighty-six foot long track, and also this assumes that every single one of those vehicles, as it's passing through, Peter Pan Flight, has two point four five guests uh, riding on it. And now, two point four five is like you—you you must have like
0: somebody who is relatively short dangling between two ride vehicles. And they count as point nine together.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking toddler. Oh, <laughs> you know small talking?
0: child. There you small go. Child. Right. Yes. Yes. You yes. You yes. okay, know, I mean, let's face
1: it. It's not a question of the attendants is sawing people in half and it's like, here, take this torso with you. It, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Toddler. Toddler makes way more sense there. Go ahead. Okay. okay. <laughs>
1: right. But anyway, all right. Here's the thing that if and again there's other variables here folks. this also calls into account that every single flying pirate ship is dispatched in 12 seconds and that sure. they make it back to the offload area in a minute and 49 seconds so so again, no no
0: ride stoppages or
1: anything like that no ride stoppages all you know right. but if all of those conditions are honored you can accommodate 900 guests per hour okay now if we make a brief stop in reality land by the way that's the name of David Koenig's wonderful book about the history of Walt Disney World. FYI David you wrote that back in June of 2014 a lot of stuff has happened in Florida since then. Time to update the book Anyway, back to reality land in the real world we're People take their time when it comes to boarding pirate ships or, or struggle to get off the vehicle at the other end. Len, yeah. there's just no way 900 people can experience Peter Pan flight every hour. In fact, I've got two numbers that supposedly reveal the real hourly capacity for Peter Pan flight. Okay. If you dig down into these numbers that were assembled in December of 81, They Mm -hmm. say that the operators came back and said, look, the actual hourly ride capacity of this thing is just 683 guests an hour. And that's 75% of their theoretical best. Wow. But wait, it gets worse. This is the actual paper's that C.V. Wood took with him when he left Disney. And remember now, C.V. was the general manager or vice president and general manager of Disneyland during its construction and roughly the first six months of the park. Then uh, the Disneys pushed him out in December of 55. And then in December of 56, he started his own organization, Marco Engineering, which then went around the country and offered to build disney land like family fun parks for whatever individual corporation was re- willing to pony up the dough but he had the actual specific numbers that came across his desk about oh, ride assume,
0: assuming that uh, there weren't 2.45 guests per vehicle okay
1: go ahead. but this is literally the analysis of disneyland rides first year and capacity mm-hmm. per hour for the peter pan ride is 427 guests led
0: wow that's super low
1: 47 percent of the 900 guests that supposedly went on an hour so look you factor all that in and, and again remember this is also an electrically powered vehicle that rides on an overhead rail that at yep. some point in the ride land reaches a height of 17 feet so when this malfunctions and it did and it does it does it gets interesting getting people off of their flying pirate ships.
0: You mentioned this. I've this is the only ride I've ever been evac'd off of in Walt Disney World.
1: Oh wow! Can you talk I, uh, about that? And it
0: happened. Yeah, it happened right at the beginning of the uh, the attraction. We uh, we got on and you, then you go into uh, I believe Wendy's room right. first. And yeah. just as you're going up, it's, it's on the ascent up to the 17 feet yep. in height. Right as we got to the top of the of the ascent in Wendy's room, the ride mm-hmm. stopped. And we were so high off the ground that it mm-hmm. clearly wasn't safe mm-hmm. to hop out. So they actually had to call the fire department. And the fire department came with ladders. And we uh, actually got to hop onto Wendy's bed <laughs> and then <laughs> down <laughs> onto the ground. And it's, it's a real bed. It's not like a plywood frame. Rate. It's a real bed with a real mattress. At least it was oh, at the time. Oh, this yeah. is a,
1: such a great story. Holy cow. Yeah.
0: And the, and the props are all real. They're not glued down or anything. Yeah. So it
1: was, uh, it was a lot of fun. That is yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. wow. It's the only ride okay. I've ever been evac off of. Yeah. Worth telling the story just for that story. Okay. Well, anyway, as the story goes, the Hong Kong government, uh, majority owners of Hong Kong Disneyland, they own 53% of the project as opposed to the Disney company's 47%. We're looking at the hourly ride capacity data for Peter Pan. Like, like, yeah, no, we don't want to do that. Do you have something that's a, a little bit more reliable, like, you know, the higher hourly ride capacity than, than Peter Pan Flight? And then the Imagineers were like, funny you should mention that because we have just developed Mickey's Philhar Magic for Fantasyland at the Magic oh. Kingdom in Florida. There you go. Okay, it's a 12 minute long 4D film, opens at that theater, uh, the Fantasyland Theater at the Magic Kingdom, October 4th, 2003. And remember, a lot of stuff had get passed through that theater prior to that. We had the Mickey oh God, Mouse yeah. Review, October of 71 through September of 80. Then theater stands empty for seven years, only to then reopen because Magic Journeys, Epcot's original 4D film, got pushed out of its home at the Journey into Imagination Pavilion by Captain EO, had oh, right. to find someplace to go.
0: Oh, and so they they had an empty theater. They had a movie that they had already paid for. Yeah, there that's, we uh, go. Yeah, Synergy, Jim, Synergy.
1: <laughs> sure. Okay, uh, September of 87, it opens there, runs through December of 93, and then, as we mentioned at the front half of today's show, Legend of the Lion King opens there in that theater on July 8th, 1994, and again, just two weeks after. The Lion King, the animated, original animated film to open in theaters and then runs in this space for for over seven years. Seven years, yeah. Yeah, closes February of 2002. But important thing to remember about the Fantasyland Theater, it can hold 504 people.
0: And how many, uh, how long is the film? 12 minutes. So loading and unloading, let's say it's like 15 to 20 minutes or Mm -hmm. whatever. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so okay.
1: if you're working at peak efficiency, you can actually get over two thousand people an hour through here. But I think you you nailed it to the effect of it's more likely gonna be three because people lose bags or or, or somebody loses. Yeah, they up.
0: But still you're talking about uh you know, fifteen hundred people an hour versus four hundred. No, that, and that's it. you multiply that by twelve hours a day.
1: Mm-hmm. Also worth noting that Hong Kong Disneyland uh, was originally designed to have a, a daily capacity of 34,000 people. So oh. that park's open 12 hours a day. And if at peak efficiency, you know, so 12 times 2,000 guests per hour seeing the uh, Mickey's Full Her Magic, that's 24,000 people. That's 70% yeah. of the people who've come to your park that day that got to experience that attraction. I mean, that's a huge guest satisfier. Yeah, this is a great point because you're
0: the, the math you're bringing up here is is this, and we haven't talked about this very much, but let's say there's thirty-four thousand guests, you know, that come to a park in a day. You know, Disney knows that the, the number of attractions they, they want to experience is around ten, mm-hmm. which means you have to have three hundred and forty thousand experiences. Yep. Right. Now you gotta yep. figure out, you know, based on popularity and demographics and stuff like that, how you're gonna distribute those thirty-four thousand guests over which ten attractions. And that's where calculations like the one you just did become super important because the more popular a ride is, Mm -hmm. the more the higher percentage of guests in the park
1: want to experience that. Well, if we could bury the needle in the other direction, I mean, for example, that that piece of vellum I was telling you for C.V. Wood, what they mention here is because of... The daily percentage of attendance that was actually able to get on Peter Pan flight back mm-hmm. in, you know, that first six months of 55, land it was only 19%. Oh,
0: so one out of five, yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: and, and think about that. You have four guests walk away disappointed because they can't get on Peter Pan flight. That's not good.
0: Well, not only that, but think about it. You can't advertise the ride. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you advertise it, it'll become popular and then people will want to ride it, but they can't. So (laughs) you have to spend money to build a low capacity ride that you can't advertise for people to come to your party. There's just a there's just a no win situation there.
1: Now, mind you, if we, we pivot back to Philharmonic and remember, we had our press release in hand from November of 99 talking about how. This side of the park was going to have a, a Peter Pan ride and a little mermaid experience. And the imaginers sort of went, Well, hey, you know. you know, we, Philhar we're still Magic is in the movie. You <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. so it is no coincidence whatsoever that in Mickey's Philhar Magic, we get Ariel singing Part of Your World, and we actually include a moment where Donald gets to fly with Peter Pan and, and Tinkerbell for a moment. So they literally get to check those two boxes. Hey, we said they'd be in fantasy land they're in Fantasyland. oh there you go so mickey's philhar magic you know is so popular at both the magic kingdom as well as hong kong disneyland tokyo disneyland gets a version opens january of 2011 disneyland paris gets its own edition october of 2018 and then california adventure uh april of the following year gets their version and But the part of the story that I that I love Len is we, mm-hmm. we jump ahead past Hong Kong Disneyland to when Shanghai Disneyland is being developed and they're having the same conversation. The
0: same conversation like we just did this, yeah. We exactly. just
1: did this. And it, but but the interesting thing about the Shanghai Disneyland folks, they're like, okay, so so I get it. The Peter Pan flight, you only have so many uh, you know low movies. capacity. Yeah. Low capacity. You can only put t- two point four five guests. But that's with a ride vehicle that only has one row of seats. Ever thought of building a pirate ship with two rows? And it was, and the, <laughs> and the just kind of blink, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> we had you, like had damn not it <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, all right. So so it goes up to what five? Five potential guests then? 2.45? Well, have, have you considered making the boat go so fast
1: <laughs> that the lights blur as you go past London? Yeah. <laughs> Rocket-powered pirate ships. All right. This version of the attraction opens in June of 2016 along with the, re- the rest of the park. And again, these Peter Pan flight pirate ships with uh, two rows can now accommodate four guests rather than two guests. But oh. here's the thing, Len. I don't buy the math. If you go... You know, for example, there's a site called Shanghai Disneyland by the numbers, and mm-hmm. they list that the hourly ride capacity for this park's version of Peter Pan flight is 2,910 guests. Almost three. That's like pirates, parts of
0: the Caribbean. Oh, no, I was level. about to say, yeah. are, are you
1: stacking them like cordwood in each? <laughs> you know, like,
0: is right. it a double-decker two rows of sea? Like, is, it, is this a bus? A
1: flying bus? Yeah. I need to do a little more investigating here. But yeah, we, this may call for a trip out there, not to Shanghai. Okay. So, but but anyway, so that that, that is the story of Peter Pan flight and, and how. Uh, it actually, in a weird sort of way, forced the development of Mickey's PhilharMagic. That is fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and
0: I, I love the idea that uh, that people are still trying to figure out ways to uh, to adapt this ride to to modern parks. That's fantastic.
1: But at the same time, I I, I love your story about being offloaded, and and it's a real bed. In what, it's a, a real bed,
0: and the interesting thing is they actually told me it was a real bed when I got off it because uh, they didn't <laughs> want me to. Like expect something solid and not get something solid. Mm-hmm. So the apparently the firefighters knew it in advance as well. Wow. Yeah, cool. Fantastic. All right, folks. That's going to do it for the show today. You can help support our show and Jim Hill Media by subscribing over at patreon.com slash Jim Hill Media, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes, plus our new behind-the-scenes videos with Imagineer Jim Scholl. You can find more of Jim at com, and more of me, Len, at touringplans.com. Also, Jim and I will be doing a live podcast from the Theme Park Play Workshop at MIT's Game Lab in Cambridge at 6.30 p.m. on Thursday, November 9th, 2023. And the general public, thats you guys, are invited. We'll have more details on this shortly. Were produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be sharing Pappy Adams' recipe for 100-proof apple-filled eclairs at the Burlington Hard Cider and Donut Fest on Saturday, November 11th, 2023, starting at Nectars on Main Street in beautiful downtown Burlington, Vermont. While Aaron's doing that, please go onto iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show.